Chapter Five of Marjorie Dean, High School Freshman by Pauline Lester. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter Five Getting Acquainted with the Picture Girl. Welcome to Sanford, whispered the girl, and to the freshman class. I was sure when I saw you the other day you couldn't be anything other than a freshman. Marjorie flushed, then smiled faintly. I didn't think any of the girls would remember me, she confessed. Oh, I remember you perfectly. You were across the street from school on three different days, weren't you? Marjorie nodded. I just had to come down and get acquainted with the outside of the school. I was awfully curious about it. Miss Harding, a cold voice at their elbows caused both girls to start, so intent had they been on their conversation that they had not noticed Miss Merton's approach. You may answer any questions Miss Dean wishes to ask regarding our course of study here as set forth in our curriculum. She laid a closely printed sheet of paper before Marjorie. This does not mean, however, the personal conversation in which, I am sorry to say, you appeared to be engrossed when I approached. Remember, Miss Dean, that personal conversation will neither be excused nor tolerated in the study hall. I trust I shall not have to remind you of this again. Marjorie watched with unseeing eyes the angular form of the teacher as she retreated to her platform. If Miss Merton had dealt her a blow on her upturned face, it could have hurt no more severely than had this unlooked-for reprimand. She was filled with a choking sense of shame that threatened to end in a burst of angry sobs. The deep blush that had risen to her face receded, leaving her very white. Those students sitting in her immediate vicinity had, of course, heard Miss Merton. She glanced quickly about to encounter two pairs of eyes. One pair was blue, and it seemed to the embarrassed newcomer sympathetic. Their owner was the Mary girl, who sat just two seats behind her in the next aisle. The other pair was cruelly mocking, and they belonged to the girl that Marjorie had mentally styled the evil genius. Something in their taunting depths stirred a hitherto unwakened chord in gentle Marjorie Dean. She returned the insolent gaze with one so full of steady strength and defiance that the girl's eyes dropped before it and she devoted herself assiduously to the open book which she held in her hand. "'Don't mind Miss Merton,' whispered Muriel comfortingly. "'She is the worst crank I ever saw. No one likes her.' I don't believe even Miss Archer does. She's been here for ages, so the Board of Education thinks that Sanford High can't run without her, I guess. I'm so mortified and ashamed, murmured Marjorie, on my first day, too. Don't think about it, soothed Muriel. What studies are you going to take? I hope you will recite in some of my classes. Wait a moment. I'll come back there and sit with you, then we'll make less noise. Miss Merton told me to help you, you know. 
she reminded with a soft chuckle. The fair head and the dark one bent earnestly over the printed sheet. Marjorie whispered her list of subjects to her new friend, who jotted them down on the margin of the programme. "'How about 9.15 English Comp?' she asked. "'That's my section.' Marjorie nodded her approval. "'Then you can recite algebra with me at 10.05, and there's a first-year French class at 11.10. That brings three subjects in the morning. Now let me see about your history.' If you can make your history and physiology come the first two periods in the afternoon, you will be through by three o'clock and can have that last half hour for study or gym or whatever you like. I am carrying only four subjects, so I have nothing but physical geography in the afternoon. I am through reciting every day by two o'clock, so I learn most of my lessons in school and hardly ever take my books home. If I were you, I'd drop one subject. American history, for instance. You can study it later. The freshman class is planning a lot of good times for this winter. And, of course, you want to be in them too, don't you? I should say so, beamed Marjorie. Still, her face was sobering. I think I won't drop history. It's easy and I love it. Well, I don't emphasized Muriel. By the way, do you play basketball? I played left guard on our team last year and I had just been chosen for centre on the freshman team at Franklin High when I left there, was the whispered reply. That's encouraging, declared Muriel. We haven't chosen our team yet. We are to have a tryout at four o'clock on Friday afternoon in the gymnasium. You can go to the meeting with me although you will have met most of the freshman class before Friday. Oh, yes, did Miss Archer tell you that we report in the study hall at half-past eight o'clock on Monday and Friday mornings? We have chapel exercises, and woe be unto you if you are late. It's an unforgivable offence in Miss Merton's eyes to walk into chapel after the service has begun. If you are late, you take particular pains to linger around the corridor until the line comes out of chapel, then you slide into your section and march into the study hall as boldly as though you'd never been late in your life, ended Muriel with a giggle which she promptly smothered. But what if Miss Merton sees one? Muriel made a little resigned gesture. Try it some day and see. There's the 9.15 bell. Come along. If we hurry, we'll have a minute with the girls before class begins. All of my chums recite English this first hour. You needn't stop at Miss Merton's desk. It'll be all right. Marjorie walked down the aisle behind Muriel, looking rather worried. Then she touched Muriel's arm. I think I'd rather stop and speak to Miss Merton, she said with soft decision. All right. The response came indifferently as Muriel, a bored look on her youthful face, walked on ahead. Marjorie walked bravely up to the teacher. Miss Merton, I have arranged my studies and recitation hours. Miss Harding is going to show me the way to the English composition class. Miss Merton stared coldly at the girl's vivid, colourless face, framed in its soft brown curls. 
Her own youth had been prim and narrow, and she felt that she almost hated this girl, whose expressive features gave promise of remarkable personality and abundant joy of living. Very well. The disagreeable note of dismissal in the teacher's voice angered Marjorie. I'll never again speak to her until it's positively necessary, she resolved resentfully. I wish I had taken Miss Harding's advice. Well, did she snap your head off? inquired Muriel as Marjorie joined her. No, was the brief answer. It's a wonder. There goes the third bell. It's on to English comp for us. I won't have time to introduce you to the girls. We'll have to wait until noon. Miss Flint teaches English. She's a dear, and everyone likes her. Muriel's voice dropped on her last speech, for they were now entering the classroom. At the first flat-topped desk in one corner of the room sat a small, fair woman with a sweet, sunshiny face that quite won Marjorie to her. "'Miss Flint, this is Miss Dean,' began Muriel as they stopped before the desk. "'She is a freshman and has just been registered in the study hall by Miss Merton.' A long, earnest glance passed between teacher and pupil. Then Marjorie felt her hand taken between two small, warm palms. "'I am sure Miss Dean and I are going to be friends,' said a sweet, reassuring voice that amply made up for Miss Merton's stiffness. "'Are you a stranger in Sanford, my dear? I'm sure I have never seen you before.' "'We have lived here a week,' smiled Marjorie. We moved here from B. How interesting. Were you a student of Franklin High School? I have a dear friend who teaches English there. Oh, exclaimed Marjorie, her eyes sparkling. Do you mean Miss Fielding? Yes, returned Miss Flint. We were best friends during our college days too. Hampton College is our alma mater. That is where I hope to go when I finish high school. Miss Fielding has told me so many nice things about Hampton, was Marjorie's eager reply. Then she added impetuously, I'm going to like Sanford too, I'm quite sure of it. That is the right spirit in which to begin your work here, was the instant response. I will assign you to that last seat in the third row. We do not change seats. Each girl is given her own place for the year. Marjorie thanked Miss Flint and made her way to the seat indicated. The sound of footsteps in the corridor had ceased. A tall girl in the front row of desks slipped from her seat and closed the door. Miss Flint rose, faced her class, and the recitation began. After the class was dismissed, Miss Flint detained Marjorie for a moment to ask a few questions regarding her text and notebooks. Muriel waited in the corridor. Her face wore an expression of extreme satisfaction. It looked as though the new freshman might be a distinct addition to the critical little company of girls who had set themselves as rulers and arbiters of the freshman class. She was pretty wore lovely clothes, lived in a big house in a select neighbourhood, had played centre on a city basketball team, and was the friend of Miss Flint's friend. To be sure, 
Mignon LaSalle might raise some objection to the newcomer. Mignon was so unreasonably jealous. But for all her money, Mignon must not be allowed always to have her own way. Muriel was sure the rest of the girls would be quite in favour of adding Marjorie Dean to their number. They needed one more girl to complete their sextet. To Marjorie should fall the honour. I'll introduce her to the girls this noon, and let them look her over. Then I'll have a talk with them tonight and see what they think, planned Muriel as she went back to the study hall at Marjorie's side. There was a hurried exchange of books, then Marjorie was rushed off to her algebra recitation. Here she found herself at least two weeks ahead of the others, and was able to solve a problem at the blackboard that had puzzled several members of the class, thereby winning a reputation for herself as a mathematician to which it afterward proved anything but easy to live up to. While in both her English and algebra classes, Marjorie had searched the room with alert eyes for the girl who looked like Mary. She felt vaguely disappointed. She had hoped to come into closer contact with her. She liked Muriel, she decided. But she did not altogether understand her half-cordial, half-joking manner. She was rather glad that she had to go to her French class alone. She had told Muriel not to bother. She could find the classroom by herself. As she clicked down the short left-hand third-floor corridor, she saw just ahead of her a little blue-clad figure passing through the very doorway for which she was making. An instant and she too had entered the room. She stared about her, then walked to a seat directly opposite to the one now occupied by the girl that looked like Mary. For a brief moment the girl eyed Marjorie indifferently, then something in the scrutiny of the other girl evidently annoyed her. She drew her straight dark brows together in a displeased frown and deliberately turned her face away. By this time perhaps a dozen girls had entered and as the clang of the third bell echoed through the school an alert little man with a thin sensitive face and timid brown eyes bustled into the room and carefully closed the door. Hardly had he taken his hand from the knob when the door was flung open this time to admit a sharp-featured girl with bright dark eyes and a cruel thin-lipped mouth. Smiling maliciously, she swung the door shut with an echoing bang. The meek little professor looked reproachfully at the offender, who did not even appear to see him. The evil genius recognised Marjorie. Her eyes strayed furtively toward the Mary girl, who had not paid the slightest attention to this late arrival. "'What a hateful person that black-eyed girl is,' ran on Marjorie's thoughts. "'I know it was she who made that nice girl cry the other day. I wish she wasn't quite so distant. The nice girl, I mean. Oh dear, I forgot to go up to the professor's desk and register. That's his fault.' He came in late. He'll see me in a minute and ask who I am. To her extreme surprise, the little man paid no particular attention to her, but, opening his grammar, began giving out the next day's lesson. This he explained volubly and with many gestures. 
Marjorie's lips curved into a half-smile as she compared this rather noisy instructor with Professor Rousseau of Franklin. Later, when he called upon his pupils to recite, however, he was a different being. His politely sarcastic arraignment of those who floundered through the lessons, accompanied by certain ominous marks he placed after their names in a fat black book that lay on his desk, plainly showed that, despite his mild appearance, he was a force yet to be reckoned with. "'I hope he doesn't notice me until class is over,' fidgeted Marjorie. "'It surely must be time for that bell to ring.' She began nervously to count those who were due to recite before her turn came. It would be so embarrassing to do her explaining before this group of strange girls, particularly before the evil genius. Ah, she had begun to read, and how beautifully she read French. The critical professor was listening to the smooth flow of words that tripped from her tongue with approbation written on every feature. She must have studied French before, speculated Marjorie, as the professor directed the next girl to go on with the exercise. Or else she is French. I believe she is. Oh dear! Only two more girls. Clang, sounded the bell. Thank goodness, breathed the relieved freshman. There was a general closing of books. Tomorrow, I shall give you a written test, warned Professor Fontaine. Then the second bell rang and the class filed out of the room. It is not strange that I have overlooked you, mademoiselle explained Professor Fontaine five minutes later, after listening to Marjorie's apology for not presenting herself to him before class. The freshmen like to make so many alterations in their programmes. They have such good excuses for changing classes, but sometimes they too, they do not tell me, eat max exasperation. He waved his hands comprehensively, I am pleased, he added, with true French courtesy, to have another pupil. Is it that you like French, Mademoiselle Dean? It is a beautiful language, Professor Fontaine, Marjorie assured him. I have only begun learning it, but I like it so much. C'est vrai, murmured the delighted Professor. La Française est une belle langue. If then you like it, you will study your lessons, Nepa. I'll try very hard to make good recitations. I will bring my books tomorrow. We used the same grammar at Franklin High School. Marjorie hastened back to the study hall to find it empty. The clock on the north wall pointed significant hands to ten minutes past twelve. The picture girl had said that she wished Marjorie to meet her friends, but she was not waiting. It was disappointing, but her own fault, thought the lonely freshman, as she left the study hall and went slowly downstairs to the locker room. She gave an impatient sigh as she pinned on her hat. Exploring new territory wasn't half so interesting as she could wish. Then a light footstep sounded at her side. A dignified little voice said stiffly, "'Will you please allow me to get my hat?' 
Marjorie whirled about in amazement. Could she believe her eyes? The voice belonged to the Mary girl. They were to share the same locker. End of chapter 5 Recording by Ashley Jane